Welcome to the Fitness Industry Success Show. Ideas, inspiration, and interviews to take your fitness business to the next level. Next level. With over 23 years of fitness industry experience and the founder of Lead Lion, an innovative fitness marketing agency, here's your host, Nick Parker. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Fitness Industry Success Show. I'm so excited that you are here with us today because I have an amazing guest for you, Riley Kinworthy. She is an amazing person with a quite an extensive background. And so I'm going to actually share this extensive background with you so you get a better picture of who we have on the Fitness Industry Success Show today. So Riley is a background is in market entry strategy and brand positioning with a passion for driving successful company launches. Uh, her love for marketing and startups and fitness collided when she became the global, get this, the global athletic director of a billion, I said that with a B, billion dollar fitness network, F45 training. Sure you heard of them. Riley's responsible for creating the onboarding and training systems such as the trainer manual and the global network of over 14,000 trainers in 52 countries. She's also led the franchise induction where she trained over 600 studio owners, that's amazing, on how to run a successful fitness business. Ryan, she currently owns, this is really cool, Riley, she owns five studios herself right now in Las Vegas and is the founder of Rebel Boss business coaching for female entrepreneurs. She's combined her marketing background and institutional fitness experience and industry knowledge with practical studio experience to create courses and programs to help trainers run thriving businesses. Dang, Riley, what's going on? Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. How's your week going so far? It's been busy. It's been juicy. It's been great. It's How's been juicy and busy. Right on. I don't, that's the first time someone's ever told me they had a juicy week. I don't know exactly what that means, but maybe we can dive into that later. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Well, the way I like to kick it off is I like to every, everybody to get to know Riley a little bit, you know, and so we're going to play a game. You down for playing a game real quick? Love a game. Let's do it. All right, cool. So we're going to play two truths and one lie. Basically, the premise is you're going to tell us three things about yourself. Two of them are going to be true. One of them is going to be a lie in no particular order. And I'm going to guess and our viewers will be able to guess which one is the lie. All right, you ready? All right. All right. Give us those three things. Okay. Number one, I drive a jacked up Jeep. Number two, I can do a Kermit the Frog impression, or number three, I once lived in a castle. Okay, so you once live in a castle, you can do a Kermit the Frog impression, and you drive a jacked up Jeep. Mm -hmm. I gotta admit, this one's pretty hard. Okay, jacked <laughs> up Jeep, Kermit the Frog impression, or you once lived in a castle. Um, oh, well, I can't pick, uh, <laughs> I don't wanna be wrong. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say jacked up Jeep. Oh, you got it right. That's I did. I got it right. They don't drive a Jeep. <laughs> okay, good. All right, good. So hold on. You do a Kermit the Frog impression and you once lived in a castle. How, when did you live in a castle? Um, I went to Emerson College in Boston and they have a castle in the Netherlands. So I was able to study in the castle Monday through Thursday. And then on Thursday, you just catch a train to another country and go explore. So right yes, on in the Netherlands. 
Awesome. Okay. Very cool. Well, I got it. And we'll see if our viewers can get, do you want to do the Kermit impression? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see. It's been a minute. Okay. Kermit the frog here. Oh, that's actually really good. <laughs> now you got a third, uh, a third job opportunity here. If it ever, ever arises, you could do a little voiceover for Kermit. <laughs> I'll say Chewy for next time. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you've got this amazing background and I'm, I want to dive into this a little bit. F45 experience. You own five studios yourselves. That is a lot of experience around the studio world, right? So what I want to ask is, what are some key things that you learned uh, in that experience with F45, you know, at the corporate level and also with owning your own studios that really are the maybe top two or three things that tend to drive uh, fitness studio success? Yep. So yes, we own five studios, three currently open, two uh, in the works right now. And it's me, my husband and our business partners as well. So it's not just me. Let me just make sure they know that because it is a awesome. lot of work to run studios, right? Yep. Um, some of the key things that we've really learned along the way is how much the community aspect matters, the culture you've created within your studio, because your members want to be a part of something, something bigger than just a workout, right? You want it to feel like if they leave your studio, if they quit their membership, all of a sudden they've lost their friends, the space they love, the people that love and support them and know their name and can't wait to see them and when they walk through the door every day. So we've really worked hard to try and build a beautiful community culture in our studios. Um, the other thing we've realized is how important your talent is within mm. the studio. The interesting thing is, you know, F45 is a franchise. So there's the model, the workouts, everything is created for you. But it's amazing, Nick, that you can have so many studios across the globe and they are all inherently so different. And it really does come down to the culture in that community I spoke about. And then the talent in your building, the people running those classes, how much they care, how they show up every single day. You know, what are you doing as an owner or a manager to make sure your staff isn't burnt out so mm. that when they walk through your doors, they are ready to rock and ready to change lives. That's what really matters. And then the third thing that we've learned along the way is how to create systems and processes to increase our conversions, make more sales. And oftentimes it's about the follow through, the follow up and all the little details. And I, and I find that a lot of studios um, focus a lot on the workouts or the hiring or some of the other elements of running a studio. And they forget about all the little tiddly bits it takes to get somebody from interested trial member to converted sale. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And I, in a little bit, not just yet, I want to dive into some more of that because that's really an interesting topic. But the first two things that you said, um, I've been actually hearing quite a bit lately on all different levels from like fitness studios to uh, people that have 100,000 square foot mega athletic clubs. They're talking about culture a lot. And so I, I really want to get your opinion on that, like with F45 and with owning your own studios, what role is that culture playing specifically and how are you actually managing and implementing a specific culture to that way it, you know, it helps with the membership and the, the vibe of the studio and everything like that? Mm -hmm. You know, how we're managing it is we live it, we breathe it. We are that culture, that playfulness, whatever we want, however we want our members to show up, 
that's how we show up in our studio. And so we try to just make it fun. We try to make it a dang good time, right? So we're always doing like theme classes. We had a spirit week, you know, everyone just dressing in their pajamas. We had like a hillbilly hoedown <laughs> class day. I mean, nice. it's really wild in there. Um, but that also increases your brand awareness and your reach because what are they going to do? They're going to take photos. They're going to share it on social media, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to invite their friends to this crazy thing they're doing on Friday. And so it really has allowed us to grow our community in addition to support them and get to know them better. So it's really just about how do we become more than just the workout, more than just the place they sweat? How do we um, meet their needs? And I think our needs have changed throughout COVID and coming out of it. And I think people are really craving that, that catalyst for connection. Yeah, for sure. That, that community and that space. So knowing that, what are we doing to support that growth and those, those opportunities for collisions and connections? So having lots of social events right now, really getting out into the community. We like to support different causes. People wanna be a part of something bigger than themselves, right? So do you have a charitable cause or race, something that your, your studio is doing on behalf of another cause? Hmm. So all these things that you can do to really think about who are our people what do they want intrinsically and extrinsically and how can we be the home for that? Yeah. So you're thinking way bigger than fitness, right? When it comes to that, you said something interesting. You said uh, connections and collision or collision and connection. So you're, you're getting people to connect, to collide and then to connect. Is that what you meant by that? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And how are we creating opportunities for them to collide into each other? You know, and that is beyond just the 45 minutes they're in the studio. That's the, the social thing that we're doing afterwards. That's the brunch party. That's this event we're all going to meet up at. That's the outdoor workout. Just the more we collide in different spaces, the more opportunities we have to open new conversations. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. And especially in the studio world, because it's a more intimate environment. So the culture is going to be different than going to like, say, a 50,000 square foot gym where you could never see the same person twice. But in a studio, you're going to see those familiar faces every single week on a regular basis. And you should be building friendships and relationships out of that. But you're actually facilitating that and making sure that that's happening and being more intentional about it and not letting it happen by accident. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and we'll train our trainers to go and make introductions to other people. So if you know something about Mary and you know Karen likes that as well, go introduce them, go tell them what they have in common, right? Like mm -hmm. break that social bubble for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I love it. I, I think that's that's so key. So it did, um, just curious when you were with F45, did, was there systems in place to create that um, or like training or any processes or anything like that? F45, from a brand perspective, really brings community into their culture. Uh, their whole slogan is team training, life changing. And so part mm -hmm. of some of the background of F45 is the two CEOs, they played rugby together in Australia. So they uh -huh. really noticed that when they thought about, so let me start let me start fresh. They used to play rugby. And then later in life, they met back up and they were like, what happened to us? I hate working out. I, I've like gained weight. I don't, I don't like it anymore. Right. And they thought, well, what it, was it that made us show up every day? And it was that you were accountable on a team, taking a stand for the success of the team as a whole. And people were relying on you. And that's why you get your butt up at 4am and you show up to the field. Right. And so they thought, how can we bring that team training element into our business model, into the fabric of our brand? And so we really emphasize team in the F45 culture. And so, you know, we train studio owners to really take that on and find ways to make team present. We train our trainers to do the same. So it's really just an ethos by the brand. 
That's really cool. And I understand what you mean, but like the founders were athletes and they miss that. I miss that too. Sometimes I miss the like, Hey, rah, rah, team, team, you yeah. know, um, that's really cool. So very interesting. Well, you said something earlier that, um, the third key takeaway, and you were talking about, uh, sales and conversions and, and bringing, you know, new members in and converting them into members from leads. Can we talk about the dirty word a little bit? Sales? Yes, <laughs> yes gladly. Yeah. So I know that in the fitness industry, especially amongst the world of maybe trainers and frontline coaches, um, sales is a secondary skill, not a primary skill that's kind of learned after the fact. And so a lot of them feel kind of there's a push there, kind of a barrier there. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, with Rebel Boss, when I'm working, doing business coaching with fitness entrepreneurs, it's funny. So often we start the sales training conversations and they always say, Nick, I'm just not a salesy person, right? right? Like they have painted themselves with a brush. They've given themselves this title that they are not a salesy person. So one of the first things that I like to do is kind of disassemble our relationship to sales, because so often that statement derives from a experience that they've had in the past that felt a little icky to them, right? Felt a little slimy, like a used car mm -hmm. salesperson is what we think of when we think of sales. So we've just written it off in our brains, right? But mm -hmm. what you have to remember is whoever it is that you're talking to, your leader, your prospect, they don't have the same story as you. They don't have the same relationship to sales as you. We don't know. We just have no idea, right? So you can't project your story of what sales is onto somebody else. Okay. Right. And then also, what are you, what, what stance are you taking with your sales? Is it just like a hard, slimy sales model where you're just trying to shove it down someone's throat? Or are you actually coming from a genuine place, a consultative sales model where you're really looking at what is the problem and what is the solution? And if you're coming from that place, then a mm -hmm. sale is just a bridge to a new possibility. It's just a bridge. Yeah, you want 100%. this, I'm going to get you here. And the only way we can get to that destination is if you get in the car, right? So if you're taking a stand that you can change someone's life, that you can truly make a difference, then the sales conversation is an opportunity. All of a sudden it becomes fun. People should leave that conversation inspired and excited and empowered, right? If mm -hmm. you have been wanting something your entire life to be fit, to have these results, and you finally met somebody that feels like, wow, this person can actually help me get there. You're going to leave that conversation jacked up. And if you are a trainer who truly yes. loves what you do and you're, and you're asking thoughtful questions, and you're finding out what this person wants and needs, then you all of a sudden have so much purpose in your job and in your life. And it's so exciting, right? So everybody should be leaving that conversation, mm. very excited, very empowered. And that's the type of sales that we should be doing in the fitness industry. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of times what happens is they get a little bit of sales training and then they get what's called commission breath, right? <laughs> and it stinks because they're just like thinking about the money or they're thinking about what they're going to say next. And they're thinking too much about the end result instead of listening to the prospect, being in the moment and letting that actual passion and enthusiasm for what they do transfer naturally by asking those questions and being genuinely interested in the outcome of that person's results. Right. And that's exactly what you said. Yeah. If you can just, if, if you're like, I'm not a salesperson, but you could remember two things in your sales conversations. Number one, just listen, just listen, listen mm -hmm. and recreate yep. them, right. Mirror back to them, actually be there with them. 
And number two, be thinking, how can I add value to this person's life? If you just do those two things, you're going to be more successful in sales. But we're coming from a place of how can I add value? And you have to genuinely care. And if you don't care, get out of the industry. You're in the wrong place, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Back, this was about, I don't know, almost 20 years ago for me, we had a, uh, a guy in the fitness industry that was always coaching his trainers to go sell. And instead of him saying, hey, go close somebody, or, you know, he would always say, go help somebody. You know, just go help somebody. And it put that in everyone's mind that, hey, we're out here helping them get to the next level and take their body and their fitness and their wellness to the next level. Just go help somebody. And I really like that. So I agree. It's a mindset issue, isn't it? It is. It often is. And I think we, if we can change our relationship to sales and we can see the opportunity that we are presented with and we can stay close to the stance you're taking, your why, then, then sales is not, is not a dirty word. Yeah, 100%. So talk to me a little bit about, let's talk about like studios and growing revenue and trying to move the needle. Uh, and you know, how do you affect the bottom line through marketing and sales and putting it all together? What are some of the key things that you really feel will drive revenue for a fitness studio? Absolutely. Um, I think whether you're the studio or the entrepreneur, in today's world, we tend to get a little hung up on online, digital marketing, all of these things, right? There's so many courses, make a million dollars on Instagram, et cetera. <laughs> However, in the fitness industry, it's such a high touch, such a personalized industry. And yes, you can launch ads, but by the way, don't launch ads until you know what's working, until you have your messaging down, you've got a campaign, a compelling offer, and you know what's working, then pour gasoline on it. But in the meantime, there are so many things that we can be doing offline to truly grow our studios and our fitness businesses. So if you can, if you can look at all of your marketing efforts like a pie and making sure that you have equal sl slices and different elements um, represented within that pie, you're going to be more successful. You just can't put all your eggs in one basket. But there's so many things that you can be doing um, that are maybe more traditional marketing. Uh, having a strong referral campaign will always be number one because you know, word of mouth is your best marketing. Making yeah. sure your clients are sharing on behalf of you is great. So, you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, you know, I'm asking for referrals, but nothing's happening. They're not taking the actions. Well, my next question is, well, what are you doing to make sure they take the action? What are you providing them to make it easy for them to share? Because it's not enough to say, hey, could you please bring me a friend or a referral or invite somebody to class? Because how many times have you had a great meal at a restaurant and maybe thought like, oh, I should really write a review or something. And you don't do it, right? You just get right, home, you exactly. get all about it. And that's what's happening for your clients. It's just a loop that they forgot to close. So if we can make our referral referral campaigns, a very simple process where we're just spoon feeding them the actions we want them to take the way we want them to do it, the assets that would have it get done. And we're following up on that. And by the way, it's a compelling referral campaign where maybe there's something at stake for them that's really fun, then you're going to have better success in that. And then beyond that, I always think corporate marketing is a great high leverage opportunity where you can get multiple clients and with one swing of effort. So looking for those little pockets of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the referral thing's huge. And a lot of people at every level drop the ball on the referrals. They're not incentivized. There's no, there, there's too much friction and there's no easy process like you're talking about. You know, you want to reduce the friction and make it really simple for someone to refer and give them a when and a how on how to actually do it and make it really easy. I, I love that. On the corporate side, how do you walk in or how do you contact a corporate business and say, hey, you know, we have the studio down the road. How do you incentivize them or, or motivate them or, or build that relationship with them? 
I think it's always important to get the decision maker into your studio first. When they get eyes on it, they're, they're obviously more likely to, to speak on your behalf. So we never hesitate to give the manager of a place, the owner of something, a free month, right? Something just really attractive to get them mm -hmm. in the door and build that relationship. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can structure a corporate deal, whether it's preferred pricing for their people or it's a subsidized membership or they buy a package of membership that they can allot to their people. However you want to get it done. I think it's about having that partnership and being able to really speak to the benefits. We know that absenteeism costs the industry billions of dollars. It is so expensive to have absenteeism, but the other half of that is presenteeism where people are at work, but they're not focused. They're not present. They're not productive. And we know studies show that people that work out and that are active are going to be more present at work and it's going to affect your bottom line. So every dollar that you invest into a fitness program for your um, employees is going to have a financial return for your company. So if you can just get somebody's ear and explain that to them and get them into your studio and show them what you're all about, it's a lot easier to do business. Yeah, I completely agree. That's awesome. And you're right. You know, a lot of times you can go into a business, even if you don't have like huge businesses around you, if you have a local hair salon and a chiropractor and these types of businesses, you give the, the, the couple of stylists a free membership for a month and then they're in there talking to all their clients about it and colleagues. And so, yeah, it's a great That's way to create aging. word of mouth. Yeah. Be thinking of who is talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Hairstylist. <laughs> exactly. And, yep. you know, you can do card drops. You can do all kinds of of different things with those smaller businesses. Also, there's a lot of organizations. For example, in Las Vegas, there is the, it's the Greater Las Vegas Area Real, Realtors Association or something, right? So yep. this real estate association has you know 20,000 people associated with them. Yeah, and if huge. you get in with them and say, hey, we'd love to provide preferred member pricing for anybody that's associated with, with your association, then all of a sudden, you know, we've got their leads list, we are their client list, and we're able to then reach out to a real estate agent or an office and say, hey, we are associated with Glavar, we're a preferred partner with them, and we'd love you to come and experience mm -hmm. this at a discounted rate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So when I think of, you know, fitness studios, there's so many different brands, you've got like Orange Theory and F45, and there's tons of privately owned brands, and, and the list goes on and on and on, and, and they're growing, and they're still, that's still a booming market right now. And I think it's only going to grow uh, in the next two years. What are some of the main challenges that you're seeing right now that a lot of studio owners are facing with this growth and, and just competing and winning? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think there is there is a lot of saturation in the market and it can get a little sloppy. And so that's clearly a problem is how do you protect brand equity and your in your brand experience across the board, no matter which country you're in, right? Mm -hmm. So having a strong franchise system really matters. Um, you know, and then I hear a lot of fitness studios and entrepreneurs lamenting about the, the new players on the scene, the Pelotons, you know, uh, all yeah. the different apps and things. And I think what's important to remember is that there's always been the other. Big mm -hmm. box gyms have always been afraid of boutique studios. Boutique studios have always been afraid of YouTube, YouTube afraid of apps, afraid of the solo entrepreneur, right? It just goes on. But yeah. the market share is big. There, and I think more than ever, people are realizing the importance of their health coming out of COVID. And so I, the total addressable market has grown. And so there really is enough for everyone if we can all stay focused on our lane, our people, and our value. 
Mm, well said. You know that it's interesting, uh, Riley, that um, the last couple of conversations that I've had, um, especially with like uh, URSHA members and, and the board over there, 20% of any given market will typically work out in a, in a gym goers, right? But you just said the market has grown and you're right, and it's going to grow. And we think that it could go upwards of 30, 35 plus percent because of everything that's happened with the last year and a half, two years with COVID and the focus on wellness and all the changes that are taking place. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity, right, for studio owners coming up really soon to capture not just that 20%, but the additional ones that are entering the market for the first time that are starting, you know, becoming more present, starting to think about, hey, I need to take care of my health now. So yeah, awesome. So another uh, challenge across the country right now is staffing hiring people cannot find people to work i mean there's sign we're in florida and there are signs all over everything drivers needed you know associates needed trainers needed salespeople needed i mean people can't find people so let's talk a little bit about hiring for studios um we're we're in the personal brand economy where every trainer is now on instagram and they have a following and they have personal brands how do you hire and how do you coach these studios to hire people or even like big box gym owners that hire like group fitness people that are at multiple gyms how do you hire these people yeah that is that is certainly the biggest challenge that all of our businesses have always had is staffing finding the right people good people um and especially right now you're right it is changing in this personal brand economy um, in terms of hiring processes, there's a lot that we've kind of learned along the way. You know, I used to, when I was managing the studio, one by one, call all the people on the job listings and yeah. <laughs> time stuck and a calendar crusher to try and set all those meetings. So one thing that we did with our studios, we started just doing group interviews and I can't mm. tell you how much time that saves us. And by the way, you don't tell them they're about to be in a group interview. You just tell them what time to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> We do that because we want to know how are they going to interact with other people? Because the people that belong in the gym environment are going to go around and shake everybody's hand and start talking and ask who they are. If they're sitting there quietly nervous and they feel awkward, then uh, maybe not a good fit, right? So that gives us a lot of information right off the bat. Are they able to speak uh, coherently in front of people, right? So there's things that we've done to really make our process easier. But then in terms of hiring these trainers that have their own personal brands, you know, I, I do hear studio owners um, feel very conflicted about this. And I think it's really important to remember that unless you're going to pay the entire salary for somebody to fully support themselves based on training your classes, which by the way, probably isn't going to happen because they shouldn't even be able to train that many classes. Right. Like your class experience is going to plummet if they're training that many classes. Mm -hmm. So they really do have to find other work. We are kind of a supplemental job, you know, industry for people. And so you do have to have some level of, um, contentment about allowing them to work in other places. So I think the thing that will set you free around that is making sure that you are communicating well with them. You have a non-compete or an NDA with them, you know, and then setting your boundaries and parameters. So if you work at, an, at our studio at F45, we don't particularly want you to work at the Orange Theory down the street. That's not going to happen. We're not going to hire that person. But if you have a yoga brand online, that's not competing with us directly. We're totally fine with that. So I think one of, the, 
the benefits that studio owners are receiving from these personal brands of trainers is that now they're stepping into entrepreneurship in a way that they hadn't previously done, right? We used to always tell our trainers, like, we want you to feel like this is yours, like your baby, you know, like treat members as if this was, nobody does it. Yeah. (laughs) does it they just didn't care and i think now that they're out there chasing down leads and trying to make sales there's a whole new level of uh, respect and appreciation for the work that we as a studio do on the back end to make sure that they have vibrant classes so i think the more you can um begin to leverage those skills or even offer to train them on some of those things that would then help their personal brands that's great but more than anything the two things that we establish with our trainers is one don't poach clients like please do not be talking oh, about your personal yeah. in our studio when you are in our studio and you're wearing this uniform you are on behalf of f45 as a representative here right no right. poaching um and then number two if a client ever does come up to you and say hey i'm thinking about leaving i want to train with you personally all that we ask for is that you give us the opportunity to make it right for that client if there's some way that we failed them we get an opportunity to make it right so we just ask that you would say like hey nick totally understand you want to train together I tell you what, is there something that you're not getting here at F45 that they could be doing better for you? I really want to suggest that you go talk to Riley, right? Start there, Mm -hmm. right? right? And if we could just have those two things, I think that's a a mutually respectful relationship. That's really fair. You know, the struggle is real. I've walked in those shoes before and I've had it to where trainers would leave and and next thing you know, they're on Facebook taking pictures and you see a bunch of your clients and your members out there and you're like, wait a minute. You know, and so the struggle is real. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that a lot of people are thinking about this a lot uh, out there in the studio world. So, all right, so let's wrap up with, um, you know, any last word of advice uh, moving into the last part of 2021 and into 2022 that you feel is key for studio owners to find success in the fitness industry? For studio owners, um, I think we just have to be adaptable right now. I think Mm -hmm. we have to really be able to shuck and jive as things are changing in the industry. So just keeping a strong beat on what your members are needing and looking for ways that you can um, go above and beyond for them and be that additional value they're looking for, especially, you know, with big box gyms, the, the, the boutique studios were able to say, Hey, we're going to know your name. We're going to have a more personalized experience. And now we've got this rise of the trainer who uh, runs their own business. And it's even deeper in that personalization and connection. So how, if you're a studio, how can you kind of bridge the gap there and make sure that you are the one to continue to provide that intimate level of deep service for them. And for the personal trainer um, entrepreneur, I would say really be thinking about your brand story and who you are, because a lot of times we think of branding as colors and logo. That's not branding. Branding no. is the words that you use, right? Yep. Words create worlds. Mm. So how are you different in this industry? How are you going to set yourself apart and create an ecosystem where when people do land on your page or they do go to your Instagram profile, they know who you are. They know who you're serving. They know what you're all about, the problem that you can identify for your ideal client and niche and the solution that you're able to provide them and clear calls to action, making it easy for them to work with you. So good. So good. Riley, if, if people want to connect with you uh, or with your brands, where can they do that? You can find me on Instagram, Riley Kenworthy, K-I-N-W-R-T-H-Y. Um, you can also find me online at rebelboss.com. 
I have a business boot camp program, live group coaching, and I have a lots of leads program as well. So all kinds of good stuff, a couple freebies on that website too. So go check that out at rebelboss.com. Love it. Thank you. Hey, this was awesome. Thank you so much for all the great insights and those nuggets of wisdom you shared with us today. Hey, if you're listening, remember the more you know, the more you grow. So like, share, and subscribe to the next level of your fitness business. And until next time, we'll see you soon.